quite quickly into our first foray after after about six months. These shirts from London fell apart after six months of wearing. At the time we came up, we coined the fact that they were, you know, they were a disposable shirt as black tie shirts often were at that age. <laughs> it's innovative, I like it. Successes in the Mind is proud to have partnered with and be supported by the Great British Entrepreneur Awards and Community, a programme that recognises, celebrates, supports, encourages and champions entrepreneurs in Great Britain. Hello and welcome to Success is in the Mind. I'm Oliver Bruce and if you're new to the show, we'll be discussing with current owner entrepreneurs about their failures, mistakes, passion and persistence in the face of business adversity. Not all entrepreneurs, however, have completed their vision just yet. Some are just starting out, and I want to give you a sense of business reality in a world full of idealism. So what does it take to become successful, to grow a brand or to start a business? Join me to hear from those that are currently doing just that. As always, you can reach the team and I via the website bizpodcast.co.uk, that is with a Z, or tweet me at Bruce underscore biz. For those of you that do use both of the Blake and indeed for those of you that don't, head over to the website right now, type in success uppercase and you'll get 15% off any product on the website for the next four weeks. In this episode, we will be talking to co-founder of Beaufort and Blake, Ed Honor. After working on Savile Row, Ed ended up having a few pints with a uni mate in Sirencester. That week, they had a university best of British dinner party, and they dreamed up the idea, as you do, of sewing a union jack to the back of a dress shirt. That was, for all intents and purposes, the start of Beaufort and Blake. Having travelled the length and breadth of Britain, selling dress shirts from the back of his classic Landy, Ed realised they may actually be onto something here. The only issue was the shirts kept falling to pieces. Welcome to the show, entrepreneur and co-founder Ed Bonner. Hi, Ollie. Yeah, great to um, be on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, well, the first the first shirt was dreamt up over a beer. That's that's about right, really. My friend, <laughs> my business partner Sam was at the REU, as you as you say, and he's he's the creative one in the business. And and a friend of his was was um, going to this best of British May ball that they had at the time, and wanted to wanted to stitch this Union Jack into the back of his shirt. And and it didn't take long for us to have a look around the sort of the the market, as it were, at that time and find the only people selling pattern back dress shirts was Payman, Cato and Carter who had gone who actually since since then have gone bust and you know you walk in there and it was like um, stepping back in time uh, so uh, Sam Sam and I had a mutual friend uh, George um, who uh, who I have to have to credit for for, for making the business happen actually <laughs> has he got shares in it or not <laughs> no 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 but he's got a, a lifelong discount code uh, so so he introduced us and we um uh, we at the time I was working at Charles Turret um, in German Street. I'd gone to uni, hadn't, hadn't hadn't really worked for me, so I dropped out after a year, and um, sort of by by chance ended up going down down German Street really, um, uh, just in in search of a, in search of a job and wanting to earn money as a as a nineteen year old does when all his mates are at uni and he doesn't want to be there. So um, we uh, we we sort of got together and and uh, he said, look, I've got this idea, I want to make this shirt, but I've got no idea how to make shirts or um I, I need a bit of help in business 
And so I said, well, look, I, I've, I can tell you a thing or two. And uh, at the time, I claimed to know uh, a, lot of, a lot about shirts. Which was a lie. May, may or may not have been bending the truth. Um, so we, um, we found our first factory in, in North London. Um, and uh, at the time, we paid £46 for our shirts. And we sold them for 65 quid. So, you know, <laughs> it was, there was a 20 quid margin on, uh, on each, of the, each of the shirts. Quite quickly in to um into our first um you know foray after after about six months and uh, um these shirts from london turned up they fell apart after six months of wearing so you know at the time we came up we coined the fact that they were you know they were a disposable shirt as black tie shirts often were at that age <laughs> it's, it's innovative i like it recyclable just, but just <laughs> praying that we could we could find a new manufacturer before before the next uh, customer came to buy again surely surely your customers were genuinely quite angry and you had a number of complaints which actually could have been detrimental to the brand how did you manage that what we did what we did find was actually a, a really valuable tool was to you know to be very honest and upfront and personable with our customers and remind them of the fact that um you know politely asked uh, once they had paid a premium for the product at the same time they were buying into a young business with a really passion with passionate two two passionate founders and there's really something to be said and i think i learned this from my roots in savile row and german street really that, that there's something to be said for the personal relationship that is knowing that your clothes have been made or at least put together by somebody that you have a very personal relationship with. And in the same way that you, you know, you feel you have a bond, a gentleman has a bond with his tailor. Um, we, we, we interestingly learned, and uh, yeah, one of the things that I brought in that, that was, that absolutely helped us to befriend those, those upset customers and, and turn them around into, into, into positive, um, positive ambassadors was to, was to really explain that, that it was, um, that it was about us and, you know, we we as individual young young aspiring um, individuals at the time were were, were really mm-hmm. passionate about building building a product and learning on the go and so it was honesty yeah it was honesty absolutely but if we had to scale it back and, and look back at your sort of childhood and your upbringing what did your parents do um, Ed were they in business were they successful why did you have such a flair to go into starting something yourself. Yeah, well, I think I think it's brought up in um, uh, in an environment. My, my father was a was an ex professional um, rugby player. Oh, really? Who did he play for? He played for the London Scottish. Oh, yeah, not very good then. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so any any rugby rugby listeners might might question the exactly the 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 extent of professional that I use there. But <laughs> we're not cool enough to have rugby listeners, Ed. They <laughs> yeah. listen to James Haskell, but you know. We're competing. We're getting there. Yeah. Uh, so, so he was he's sort of always a sportsman, but mostly, you know, a fighter. And uh, one of the things he, he he taught me is that you know you've always um, you've always got to fight your way, and and actually you get much more of a pleasure doing that working for yourself than than you do for for, for anyone else. And you know, it takes a lot of guts. Um, we started when we were very young and, and very naive. I'm I'm first to admit that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And not it, that you're it, naive, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, it, it you know, it took us two or three years to realise actually that the, the world's a big place. And actually, 
once you once your friends start getting jobs uh, working for working for other people and 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 they finish they finish at five thirty and and they ring you up and ask for a pint and you say well no actually I've got I've got another another fifteen orders to put into my supplier um, it's it's both gratifying and upsetting at the same time yeah but and and it is fight or flight really in in business but in terms of why you went into the the shirt world you work for two of the you know biggest I suppose shirt brands on the high street you know Tim Lewin and and Charles Tierwitt. Why did you jump ship and go straight into starting your own brand and competing directly with them? At that time, I uh, I wanted to to I had set my my sort of life's aspirations on uh, on on opening a, my my shop on 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 Savile Row, um, and uh, and and the the the, the apprentices um, uh, on on Savile Row all sort of start you start your your way. There's a bit of a rank structure to it all. And 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 um, you can start on German Street in a shirt because shirts are a little bit easier to make than suits. And uh, yeah, so so at that time, yeah, sort of had 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 my eyes. I always wanted to work for myself, but uh, had moved moved from Savile Row to to uh, to Sirencester. And actually, the appeal of the appeal of working in an office above a pub um, was was a bit more than a basement in um, in Piccadilly, buying expensive lunches every every day, and uh, uh, rather than. Uh, pulling pints in the evening <laughs> <laughs> but you've always wanted to work for yourself though you said you, you dropped out of university were you any good at education or did it you just kind of did it not sit well with you uh it, I, no i wasn't any good at any education the funny the funny thing is is that um you both and blake you know there's two b's in that word and between sam or i we couldn't even we couldn't even manage two b's uh in our a levels <laughs> so sam's equally as entrepreneurial then the, the, yeah. yeah sam absolutely yeah that's 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 it i i like to say that i went to the university of um the university of retail you know that was that was that was my my grounds of understanding but no it, education didn't really work for me so since day one was the kind of the main driving force around the business was it making money or was it having a product which is actually sustainable and of good quality or do they go hand in hand at the time all we wanted to do was to make the best product we possibly could the focus wasn't money you know at the time we were we were 22 23 years old and very naive about about uh, about the big bad world and really we just wanted to make something that that would last ironically enough the fact that we sourced it from london uh, and, and it turned out not to be that at all was was yeah was very ironic but 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 we we strive we strove to you know to provide the absolutely the very best product at, at all cost you know the fact that our, our lower margins were were sort of testament to that how quickly did you sell the first 50 shirts that you made because you put them on the back of a landy and it was a cool landy was this sort of specifically around the brand did you have an idea as to what the the proposition was going to be or was it just because you had one lying around at that time the brand was very much a, a gentleman's outfitter we we were we were offering black tie shirts to formal um you know formal occasions and um we we uh we thought what better what better emblem um than to turn up to uh, turn up to a ball with a with a with a land rover it was a sort of you know quite a classic british institution or emblem i should say um and and at the time yeah it married up quite well and you know, we couldn't really afford much more than uh, certainly couldn't afford a shop at that time. So, well, we thought, well, what what better place to do one to 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 get around, um, and uh, than than to have a sort of movable market stall. I mean, shops are not a bad thing, though. 
you dodged a bullet there in terms of in terms of the death of the high street surely yeah we well exactly we're feeling we're feeling pretty chuffed um uh, this this year with with um everything that covid uh, covid has has brought upon us that, that actually we're never a better time to 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 be all online um we we do 95% of our turnover um online 5% of it is at, at shows um the british the british sort of show show scene um is a you know is a is a, the the tour of britain i'm sure most of your listeners might know how how it is yeah yeah well i was going i was going to get onto exactly that the, the the tour of britain and actually we'll get onto the death of the high street later but when launching a brand you did drive around the entire country whether that was in your land rover or otherwise but you went to all these events you went to all these um these 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 shows and you literally sold on the hoof i mean was that how you propelled the brand into i suppose um the market which you were looking for i think i think uh, uh, quite a bit of it was was sort of was was discovery by accident but we 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 we, we took ourselves off to to polo matches in 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 this land rover um and uh and and rocked up and actually realized quite quickly that that um dress shirts were a brilliant product because we didn't have any competitors they uh no no one else was making pattern back dress shirts and so our first two years were sort of absolutely terrific when you know we were young we didn't have many overheads um we didn't have many costs in life and um and and uh, but but it didn't take us that long about two years to realize that actually there's there's only a limited market of dress shirts in the uk Le- uh, specifically pattern back dress shirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the the reason we didn't have any competitors is because re- really there wasn't much of a market no no they'd, they'd sort of gone there and realized that it was probably a mistake and you were going there and and later realized exactly the same yeah yeah well do you know what? it was it was a great great route uh great route to begin with because because um you know, it was so unique, and actually, that 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 was really, really brilliant for us in the beginning. But we realised that, yeah, going round all of these events, specifically polo matches, they were sort of our most common um, event. You know, uh, outing in the in the beginning, that uh, actually people wore casual clothing far more than they did. What well, common sense when you repeat it to yourself? But... <laughs> With regards to when you started your manufacturing, you obviously had it made in North London, and it cost forty six quid. You went out to turkey to to get them made now how did you go about finding the right manufacturer after a while because there must have been a lot of kind of kissing of frogs yeah it yeah it was it was funny that when we first moved to um to turkey and portugal it, it was interesting because although the although the costs were a lot lower there was there was frequent occurrences actually where where the supplier would take us out for a big lunch and uh the tw- my 22 year old 23 year old self at the time was very excited by going out for a big boozy lunch being paid for by a supplier on his credit card only to find that in the meantime Meeting afterwards, after lunch, we'd be dragged back around the t- showroom table and be told that the prices were going up by twenty percent. So <laughs> it was really us that were paying for those lunches. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be. Yeah. So, uh, so that that was, um, yeah, you know, at the, at the time it was it was all about it was all about chasing that that better margin and better quality. You know, we really wanted to offer that to our um, to our customers. At what point did you decide that actually hiring staff was the right thing to do? Well, I think that there was there, it got to a point actually where we were making an, enough money to, to be able to delegate more more things um, to to onwards um, to, to other members of, of staff and and find actually that that packing orders ourselves became quite an inefficient use of our time. At that point, you know, it was a, it was a big bullet to bite, but um, we. Uh, 
you know, we, every, every entrepreneur goes that, you know, every entrepreneur knows that, that, that they've got to, you know, sort of constantly innovate and find time to, to build their strategy. And it was at the sort of second year point that, that we realized, well, actually, hold on, we're, we're trying to grow this business. And actually, we, we, we need a bit of help with the, you know, the legwork, making, getting the orders out the door. Um, and uh, and the designer really was a was a real um, a real step towards um, to, to, towards diversifying our product offering because um, you know whilst I knew a lot about shirts from from German Street the background our background was still still very much um, uh, you know formal formal wear as it were. And how how did you learn to run a business though? Because you learned about shirts, you learned about obviously you hired somebody to assist with the headspace. But how did you know what the right thing to do at the right time was, and and fundamentally who to bring in? Well, the um, what we realised from from each of the seasons that went on, you know, our, our the four seasons that we had had in our in our sort of real two two year early early birth was that actually the best the the products that sold best were the ones that had the best design and uh, the most fantastic. Array of array of prints because at the beginning we bought our prints wholesale the the, the stuff um, the fabrics that we plastered on the uh, sewed on to the back of the back of the dress shirts was uh, was was all uh, sort of you know it was bulk wholesale purchase fabric um, and actually the small the sort of more sophisticated designs and patterns were always the one that sold sold well and so we thought well actually let's start transferring this onto other products um, swim shorts was our was our next product as, as well as boxer shorts. And what point did you do the inside the cuffs though? Because when you roll up the cuffs on the sleeves, you've now got, you know, stitched uh, patterns in, in 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 there. Was that something that you did with the dress shirts as well, or was that something you brought in later? Well, that was that was so. We wanted to step into that bigger market, as I said, of, of going into more more casual clothing, and we thought, well, we have to stay true to the root of the brand, which is, you know, we had established ourselves as being. Um, uh, as print being bring our u- our unique asset um and every every one of our still to this day every one of our our pieces of clothing has got a um an, an essence of, of 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 print to it and the designer really was a real was a real um pathway to us to us establishing that that sort of unique point of each of our products and when you were stretched because you must have been stretched pretty thinly before you hired your your staff now what went wrong at that point surely there were things that you were dropping and orders you weren't fulfilling because fundamentally it was just you and sam doing everything absolutely yeah yeah well well at the time we thought to ourselves well you know we just we just had a great couple of seasons selling selling just 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 shirts and we thought okay well look this business has got some scale so so let's move to london because that was the that was the plan for both of us at the time the first office was above the pub the second one was in a converted pigsty and the third one was in the barn above the garage but the fourth one was battersea it was an expensive one yeah it was quite a bold move at that time and one of the mistakes absolutely that we made was 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 uh, was going from paying a hundred pounds a month in rent to two thousand two hundred pounds a month in rent at that time was an astronomical amount of money. A hundred quid for a pigsty? You're right, that is expensive. <laughs> but why did you do that? Why did you go to the you know really expensive real estate in central London when you're a startup? What, what was what was the logic? Well, the the, the the one of the poor decisions that we made at that point in time was was thinking with our with our hearts and not our heads. And we we at that 
time it had an affiliation with london it was where we wanted to be personally but we didn't really forecast forecast through our, our financial pounds properly and uh, you know unsurprisingly actually keeping up with that that sort of rent um cost us cost us very dearly but we we did um so you know we were we were profitable um at, at that point in time and 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 before coming to london and obviously moving into london uh turn turn that dial in in the opposite direction did you come up against some serious issues in terms of you you questioned the move and you were signed into a lease and you know what was going through your head when you had to make those nearly three thousand pound payments every month at that that at that time it was yeah it was it was gut-wrenching having to not pay ourselves sam and i at least for for from from my from what i remember i think we did about nine months of of no pay of no salary at all and that was that was almost the most painful bit because we were sort of kidding ourselves that we were growing this brilliant business and and turnover was increasing as we were in uh, diversifying the product range but at the same time we weren't making money to put in our own pockets and if you can't do that then you haven't really got a proper business so we um we had grafted and you know at that time exactly it wasn't it wasn't a full-time thing so we were doing other things to to get by such as what what were you doing to, to kind of line your own pockets at that, at that time it was working in the in the pubs and 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 that sort of that worked quite 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 well for us and interestingly was was the grounding for a lot of customer service um uh experience that that um you know absolutely is essential to any retail brand today and something you know we pride ourselves on is that we've you know there's a lot of digital brands out there now um e-commerce especially where it's it's very hard to talk to a person at the end of a phone. You're either talking to a bot or, a, or an AI computer or something in that pop-up window. Yes. And it's rarely that you get through and you get a straight answer straight away. Um, we've, always, um, we've always been proud about the fact that we, you know, we keep our phone lines open um, um, permanently through, throughout COVID. We've, we've had to narrow the hours down as um, cut back on some staff, staff hours, but it's, it's, it's nice to talk to a person. I suppose looking at when you diversified into the women's wear, because you went, you know, you fundamentally started off selling men's dress shirts. You then diversified into casual wear. When did you go, actually, the women's market something we really should be exploring here? One of the things we did in 2018 was to take on some angel investors. Um, and we made the decision that actually we would rather have a smaller piece of a bigger pie. So Sam and I, um, two founders uh, at that point in time, uh, uh, 80% shareholders, 20% was was uh, with a with another friend who had, had since um, since left left the business. We bought him out and and decided that actually to, to take on some some extra funding would allow us to, to grow. At that you know at that point in time we were still quite loss making. So so you know we were close to running out of money. And in fact, not long before that, in the beginning of 2018, we very very nearly went bust. And that was that was a that was a dark point in time actually because. I was very close to folding it, folding it all in. Um, I went to go and see a, a friend of mine that worked as a liquidator at the time, and uh, and had conversations with him about what you know what the picture might look like um, for for us if if, if we um, if we dissolve the business and and um, and I had a long conversation uh, uh, with Sam around our ping pong table of a, of an office, of a of a boardroom, and and he said you know look we've got we've really got to we've got to go for this and 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 we were at a really pivotal point we'd had a we'd had a Christmas where we'd bought too much stock had to sell it at too much of a loss we had that expensive office in London we had three on the payroll as well as ourselves at that time and uh, you know we were having to pay for our spring summer orders that were coming up and actually we got a we got a sort of turnaround uh, specialist who was a family friend at the time in and and um and he said look 
you know, write all of your creditors a letter saying, every business goes through ups and downs. We're going through a down period at the way we're going through a tough time at the moment. We'll pay you, but just give us 90 days. And so we, um, we had landlords, we had suppliers, we had uh, agents knocking on the door every five minutes saying, where's my, where's my money coming? Where's my money? But we came to agreements with them that actually we were going we to defer, defer the payments. And, and at that time, um, the sun, literally the sun came out, the stock arrived, and uh, we, we had our first foray into, into what we call direct mail, which is one of our biggest um, uh, customer acquisition channels at the moment. That is sending customers catalogues through their, through their letterboxes. We sent 30,000 catalogues out to, um, to uh, a bunch of people that had never bought from us before, but was within, I, hate, I must add, within the, the realms of um, GDPR. And what we did was to rent rent these mailing addresses um, of of a, of a third party and uh, and and send send people catalogs that had never come across us before. But it's um it's a it's a really great channel to to marketing. You know, there's a real difference between seeing a product on a web page and seeing a product in a piece of paper. You know, a book. I haven't had yours yet. I haven't had yours. Have you yet. not? Okay. No. Well, 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 get the Facebook ads. Get the Facebook ads. Yeah, you get those. Yeah. Well, maybe after the um, after the podcast, we'll have to send you a shirt and happily. You can you can promote us on your on your channels. Never mind giving me uh, a free shirt. Ed. Have you got something for the guys that are listening um, to this podcast? A discount code of some sort. Yeah, well, you know, every every man probably wants to be as smart as you, Ollie. So so we'll 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 give them an opportunity not, not mentally, to do that. That's visually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give them an opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Um, we uh, they can use um success uh discount code the just success all uppercase um for fifteen percent off uh, anything from our from our website. Are you looking for a PR company that can evaluate your brand profile and execute effective communications? Well, Blocks and PR, who work with some of the largest brands in the fashion, field sports and luxury lifestyle sectors, can do exactly that. Developing long-term relationships is at the heart of the Blocks and ethos. Combining big thinking with big results, they simply never miss a trick, and they certainly didn't miss a trick, by partnering with us for Series 2. Check them out at BlocksandPR.com. We'll get back to the current story just shortly. However, I wanted to let you know what was coming up in the next episode of Successes in the Mind. It is indeed our Christmas special, and I shall be speaking to Adam and Eloise, the co-founders of The Big Bakes, about all things baking and indeed Christmas. Here's what's coming up. I mean, we're so competitive that when the baking competition came up, I mean, I can't bake uh, <laughs> at all. <laughs> right. Uh, and I, and I, I definitely couldn't bake back then, but I was still convinced I'd be able to beat Eloise despite her actually having some skills in that arena. He didn't, but... <laughs> no. Well, it goes without question, really. When you ran the numbers and when you looked at the spreadsheet and you realised that actually this quite literally might be it, what went through your mind and how did you kick into gear to find the motivation to carry on? Because it must have been a massive kick in the teeth. It, it, it was, yeah. As I, as I say, I went to, went to knock on the door of the liquidator. What we knew at that time was that we had these excellent shirts coming and, and in fact, our best ever range. You know, we run from season to season. And so our whole product mix um, changes. I mean, the, the, the style, the mix um, of the products um, remains relatively relatively similar. We're always testing and trying and adding new things. But the, the individual design of each of the products changes. And we had this really fantastic opportunity to sell the best product that we had ever made. We had some new suppliers and some strong margins. That's incredible. That's, to have that ability to 
sort of consolidate and look at what you've got coming up and go, yeah, now's really bad, really bad, and we're about to go under, but what we're going to deliver in six months' time is going to be the best thing ever is incredible. And actually, nobody on the podcast has actually said anything along those lines in terms of nearly going under and how they kicked into gear. And it's it is quite inspirational. And how quickly after that then, after that sort of 90-day period, did you go back to normally sort of functioning, I suppose? It was. It, it took us about three more months after after the point of the, the catalogue going to, to sell through if Effectively, what we had done is, is you know, we started from a, a point of, of, of deep, deep debts and, and a lot of creditors. Um, but actually, I mentioned that we had very strong um, uh, underlying gross margins in our product that, that was due to be delivered at that point. And so within, um, yeah, within about three months, we had generated enough product, enough cash and profit, profit from, from, those, um, from those products to be able to pay off all of the creditors, move forward. Um, continue trading and actually move um, move into the next season to 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 pay for the stock at the next um, at the next point in time. What would you have done if it had gone wrong, or didn't you think that far ahead? Uh, <laughs> there were a few there were a few thoughts of going back to Savile Row. The first thing that got me you know got me got me into it was working for myself. And yeah, exactly, the thought did come back to go and work for somebody else. But and and you know maybe I can't do this. Mm-hmm. But you know, you just you, you've got to fight. You mm-hmm. just and that's that where that fighting mentality comes comes back in again. Yeah. Looking back at your investors when they came on board in in 2018, and they they bought that 20 percent equity in the business, did they? Is that the equity they bought? That, 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 yes, exactly. Yeah. And and the reason for that was a cash injection or, or more knowledge. What was the methodology? It, it it was it was cash injection. That actually it was the two investors that we took on were actually are, are still very active in the management of the business. They. they they were CEO and CFO of Crew Clothing and Fat Face. Well, this was actually, interestingly enough, we, we, we met them about nine months after that, that dark, or initially dark spring and a, and a successful summer, having turned the business around. Because at the time, we went to them on our, on our knees saying, you know, look, we're about to run out of cash and everything's very good, but we're sort of desperate for cash. And, and the lady, uh, Louise Barnes, at that time said, said, no, look, boys, I'm sorry, this is not for me. But we went back to her nine months later to say, look, we've, we've got a great brand with a good customer base here. We've just had a successful summer. We've turned around the business, um, and uh, and actually, you know, with your expertise, um, we believe that actually the four of us can build a really great, uh, really great business here. Um, it's a good opportunity for you because you you've grown businesses like Crew and, and uh, Fatface before, similar aspects to uh, in in. Um, in attributes of customers to 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 both and Blake, you know that at that time they they were hungry for, they were hungry for new projects as well themselves, and and so they bought with them obviously you know fifty years combined experience of of, of the retail, the retail industry and supplier contacts and and uh, trade and understanding and their you know veteran understanding of the market. And what did they put into it then, Ed? For twenty percent of the business, how much did they invest? At, at that time, it was uh, it was a hundred and twenty thousand pounds. So really, what that what that what the, the the door that they that they helped open for us was suppliers that would give us credit terms, ones that they had worked with in the past from their prior big bigger businesses, and a sort of well, yeah wealth of wealth of contacts and 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 understanding of supplier and. and supplier relationships. So when you got those investors on board, obviously they, they pumped some cash into it, they brought their knowledge, but how did you go about finding the investors? What platform did you go on to, to actually entertain them to a certain extent and get them on board? We first approached them on LinkedIn 
and that was uh, that was the old request button that we all know about too well, and and slid into the DMs, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we were very fortunate in that in that we sort of got the got the hook from there. Um, we put together a, a pitch deck, an investor investor deck, very smart PDF, and stayed up till about three in the morning making sure that it looked all. Gold, gold stars all over it, and uh, and just proposed proposed to them around a meeting table because it's a big risk for them though because you're making a loss you're going to go into liquidation you're asking them for 120k for 20 percent of a potential disaster I mean <laughs> yeah. they took a, they believed in you they did yeah well and that was it you know at the time we were you know we we had just come out of a of a torrid um, of a torrid time and and. Um, uh, but they did. What they did see was was the potential, and 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 actually, since then, you know, we've 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 grown the business, and 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 we are um, we're we're at the point of breaking even now. That is that is inspiration. That's incredible. And 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 looking at kind of when you wanted to open a shop, because that really, if you think about it, when you were going into potential liquidation, if you actually had real estate, i.e., high streets, that could have really screwed you. And and you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And retrospectively, it was a great idea to not do that. But bringing it up into the present day, Tim. Lewin is now 100% online. What does your market share look like in the world of shirts when you're up against such big boys like that? That's a, that's a very good question. I mean, the, the one thing uh, that we're in a really good place in at the, at the moment is is the fact that, you know, we're, we're almost um, without, uh, obviously, the pandemic this year has been very unfortunate for a lot of people out there. And of course, you know, um, I can be selfish and say say that actually it's, it's been fantastic for us. And mm-hmm. the reason that is, is, is that we, most of our, our product offering now is, is, um, is casual clothing. And the one thing that the death of the high street has brought about, and the um, the change in change in habits of of not going to the office anymore, is that there's almost the death of the suit and, and mm-hmm. the death of the yep. tie as well. And um, casual shirts for our bread and butter, fifty five percent of our annual turnover comes from men's casual shirts. Really. Wow, and because you you now do ties though, you just said the death of the ties coming up. You're going to cut those? I, I think so. Absolutely, we've got some left uh, from the last order that we 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 had ordered before um, COVID was coming along, but uh, I don't think we'll ever go back to it. How did you come up with the name Beaufort and Blake then? What was the thought process there? Well, the the story the story on the website, which you may have seen, is that um, the the Duke of Beaufort uh, was was um, the master for the lo- local hunt, and uh, so well, yeah. The story goes at the time is that the Beaufort hunt was running past the window, and uh, it was a raucous university pub, and everyone stood on the tables and started singing Jerusalem, which was written by William Blake. Um, but the the real the real story the real uh, the real story was actually that we wanted a a, a bit of alliteration and, and an ampersand was very important to us in the name because we wanted to to have you know traditional British roots. Beaufort was actually a name of um, a name of four that was picked out of a hat. We had Beaufort, Beaumont, Brayworth, and Blexley. And actually, we thought Beaufort had the nicest ring to it. So it's completely made up. And Sam and I frequently get asked, which one's Beaufort and which one's Blake? Our answer is always the same, which is that uh, neither of us are, are both are Mr. Beaufort and Mr. Blake. But um, because the brand is much cooler than both of us, and we much prefer to hide behind the brand. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, are you guys the face, I suppose, in any way? Or do you very, very much push the name? 
We're no, not really. No, not at all. No, we 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 do actually now have a character called Mr. Beaufort. He's a he's a made up character, which is um, we use in our marketing. Visually, what does Mr. Beaufort look like? Uh, he's a he's a very well dressed. He's a very well dressed um, uh, man with a good taste in in cars, women, and holidays. Is he red or yellow trousered? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I think probably navy. Navy. Wow, wasn't expecting that. Is that is left wing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> at what point did you actually have that breakthrough moment where you realized actually this is really working now this is you know we're getting somewhere or have you not quite got there yet because you're still breaking even ah what's what's the measure of success ollie you know we, we all ask ourselves that question don't we it was actually the point at which our investors said to us we're going to put 120 grand into this business You've got a checker trading history. You haven't made it. You've made well. You made a, two two profits four years ago, and since then you've lost tons of money. But actually, you've really got potential here. And so that at that moment, it was when someone said to us, two people said to us, "We're going to give you 120 grand." That that actually, you know, and at that time, that was what what you know, uh, 15% of our annual turnover. Um, and for someone to say that, you know, that that was the moment that we thought, well, actually, you know. If, if two industry veterans here are looking at us and they're saying, well, you know, we, you've, you've got something here, we're going to part ways with 120 grand, then you're probably onto something. Seven years ago, when you started, Ed, what would you have told yourself, um, looking back at what you've experienced, what would be the one piece of advice that you'd give a, a young Edward? Be, be willing to, to go with your gut and, and take as many risks as you, as you possibly can. Don't be influenced by by trends and and look 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 to make your own tread your own path and really you really build build something that's very unique from 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 anyone else. Ed, if I were to invite you, which I will do on the podcast in a year's time, what are we going to see over the next twelve months? What's on the horizon for Beaufort and Blake? We've got a very exciting next twelve months ahead. I mentioned to you before we've got to put ourselves to two million pound turnover in the last financial year, which is very exciting, and uh, a breaking even, which uh, which for for our journey was actually a really 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 big milestone. So next year we're we're, we're going to grow that to fifty percent, and we've got fifty percent more products by. We've got a big expansion in women's wear. I mentioned earlier that our uh, our investor. Um, with her background um, running Fat Face and, and crew, um, had had a lot of experience in women's wear, and she's re- she's done a really fantastic job of uh, of, of, of bringing that growth category um, out for us. So there's a lot more to come there for the, for all the ladies listening. <laughs> we're, we're 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 looking at some collaborations, which I can't give too much away um, about at the moment, um, with some um, with some very familiar uh, big big high street brands. Um, that we're sort of working on, working on actively at the moment. Um, subscription is a, is an exciting new avenue for us that we're um, we're looking to offer for our boxer shorts. They're a big uh, our second biggest selling category actually, and and this year to date we've sold sixteen and a half thousand pairs of them. Um, and uh, and what, but 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 all of that um, is uh, much much of it anyway is is, is around Christmas time. Um, and we want to be able to offer our customers something something a little bit more regular than that, which is very exciting. So you know, lots uh, lots more, a bigger team as well. We've um, lots of lots of things on the agenda. Busy busy um, 
busy few months as well. Busy 12 months ahead. Ed, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks very much, Ollie. Real pleasure to be on the podcast and nice to speak to you. And uh, I look forward to some feedback on that on that shirt uh, <laughs> shirt in a few, few I weeks' I hope the time. arms don't fall off like your first batch. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. <laughs> you can wear it to an expensive lunch and then yes, see how it For feels. six months. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Cheers. Each episode, I'm going to be talking to you about a podcast which is worth listening to, and this week is no exception. If you head over to startupsmagazine.co.uk, it is a magazine in digital and print where they champion tech startups and entrepreneurs. They've also got a podcast called The Serial Entrepreneur, where they interview female founders within a specific industry talking about issues they may be facing. They will be talking to founders as we get into 2021 about what issues are coming up in the next 12 months. Check it out. It's called The Serial Entrepreneur. It is fantastic. Thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it as much as we did, we would really appreciate it if you could rate it, share it, and subscribe to it. To find out more about the guests featured on Success in the Mind, visit our website, bizpodcast.co.uk. That is with a Z, where you can apply to be on the show, check out the behind the scenes content, and keep up to date with what's coming up. Check out our Facebook page by visiting at successesinthemindpod or follow me on Twitter at OliverBruce underscore biz. This podcast has been produced by the team at Pinpoint Media. To find out more, visit pinpoint-media.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.